Hello friends, God bless you. You're welcome to a word of victory today. And praise God, this is a word of victory for you, dear friend. I thank you, Lord, and I praise you uh, that as we join together today in agreement, Lord Jesus, you said that if two or three of us would agree on anything on this earth, it is done according to your will. <clears throat> and Lord, we praise you that as two or three of us are gathered together, you also said that you are here in the midst of us. And Lord, we just welcome you here today. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. And we ask you, Lord, to fill each one of us afresh with your power and your glory. And we thank you, Lord, that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Hallelujah. You know, that's one of the greatest scriptures. Um, and uh, a lovely um, lady sent me that scripture today and just reminded me of it again. And, you know, uh, it's in the book of Philippians and it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so that is what I would encourage you with today, friend. There is nothing that you cannot do with God holding your hand, with God on your side. You know, um, Romans chapter eight tells us when God is for you, who can be against you? And when God is with you, you know, there is nothing impossible to you. And today I want to talk about healing. And, you know, God wants you healed in every area of your life, um, in your physical body. He wants you healed. He wants you whole and made well. But he also wants you healed in your mind, in your heart, in your emotions, in your relationships. Um, and many people are struggling in different areas, whatever the circumstances are. It can be even in your finances. God wants you healed. He wants you prosperous. He says in First John, um, sorry, 3 John, uh, John's epistle that he wrote towards the back of the Bible, near the book of Revelation, it says in 3 John verse 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So there's a correlation between how our soul prospers. And you see, um, our soul prospers when we study the word of God, because our soul is transformed. And uh, by the power of God, by the power of his spirit in the word of God, we are transformed. And when our soul and our, you know, our, your soul is your inner man, your heart, your mind, your emotions, um, that inner part of you and your soul is eternal, just as your spirit is. You know, when we come to Jesus and when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we are born again. Like Jesus spoke about in John chapter three, you become born again. That is recreated in Christ and you get a fresh start. But God also wants you to have a fresh start in your physical body, in your mind, in your heart, in your soul. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And you know, your healing, friend, has already been paid for. And we're coming up tomorrow is what we call Good Friday and coming up to next Sunday, uh, Resurrection Sunday, the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the thing is, is that your healing has been paid for at the cross. And on Good Friday, you know, um, it wasn't called Good Friday in the Bible back then, you know, but um, praise God, it was it was the day that Jesus was crucified. But the the night before he was crucified, you know, he went into the garden and he went praying. He, he celebrated the Passover meal with his friends. First of all, he broke the bread and he took the bread and he gave it to each one of them after he had gave thanks for it. And he blessed it. And he said, 
This is now my body. I'm making a new covenant with you. You had the old covenant of the law, which Moses gave you. But now he said, I am bringing you a new covenant that God is going to write in my blood and that I am going to pay for with my life, with my physical body and, and with my life. And I am going to pay the price, pay the ransom so that you can be set free. And so as often as you do this, as often as you break the bread, as often as you take the cup, do it in remembrance of me. He he wasn't instituting, you know, um, this this ritual whereby uh, we have to crucify Jesus over and over again. His, his um, act, his sacrifice was one time for all, for all men and for all time. Um, but what he was saying is, you know, Take it and eat it. Take it and drink the cup and remember what I've done for you. That's what it is. It's an act of remembrance. It's a memorial that we, um, a living memorial, that we take the bread, that we take the cup um, in order to remember what Jesus did for us. So let's have a look today to see what, you know, he did. And I want to start in Revelation. The book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible. And I'm reading today from the NLT, the New Living Translation. And in Revelation chapter 7, we have a, a glimpse here of what it's like in heaven. And this is, I, I love this scripture. And I'll, I'll read it from verse 9. So this is Revelation 7 verse 9. After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a mighty shout, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshipped God and they sang, Amen, blessing and glory and and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the 24 elders asked me, who do you think these are who are clothed in white? Where do they come from? And I said to him, sir, you are the one who knows. This was John in the vision he had of heaven and the vision he had of the end times. And then he said to me, these are the ones who died in the great tribulation. These are the ones who came out of great tribulation is actually the way the New King James calls it. And, um, you know, that word tribulation there, many people have translated it or, or, or understood it to mean that that believers in Jesus Christ have to go through a time of, of in, endure a time of great suffering. But actually what that mean, word means, you know, tribulation there, it means a time of affliction or pressure, anguish, being pressed together. A time of oppression and distress. <laughs> and, you know, um, there are many people who are going through uh, relationship breakdowns, sicknesses, diseases in their bodies, um, trouble with, with children or, or with family members who are maybe going through, uh, you know, drug or drink or other kinds of addictions and uh, problems maybe coming out of a life of abuse of some kind, maybe an abusive relationship or maybe a, a, an abuse from childhood, a trauma. And all of these things, you know, friend, you know, they come from Satan and they come from the pits of hell. 
And the reason that Satan comes against God's people is is to, uh, you know, he he praise God, he's called the accuser of the brethren. And you see, what happens was, is that we are all descended um, originally from Adam. And when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they allowed the enemy a foothold and gave the devil, they gave the devil their authority that they had. Because when God created Adam and when he created Eve, he gave them dominion over the whole earth. But when they sinned, they became disconnected from God and they handed their authority over to Satan. And this is how diseases, sicknesses, curse, uh, problems manifest in people's lives. It's because of the power of sin. And so the sin has to be dealt with. And that's what we're going to look at here. The elder said to him, these are the ones who came out of great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb and made them white. This is why they stand in front of God's throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter. Isn't that beautiful? You know, God wants to give you shelter. There are many storms going on in people's lives. And uh, the other day I was out, you know, uh, by the lake um, in Killarney and I was cycling and there was a, a really strong wind. And, you know, as I <laughs> battled and, and cycled through it, uh, you know, everywhere you couldn't hear anything except the noise of the wind and the storm and the branches and the trees creaking. And then suddenly I, I came around on the path and I came into a place where there was like a sheltered cove. And would you believe there was no sound of the wind in there? And it just struck me that this is what this scripture and the scripture in, in you know, in the Psalms and Psalm um, 91, for instance, uh, where God speaks of that he is our refuge and our shelter and that he hides us and covers us. And you see so many people are facing battles and fighting battles and they're out there exposed to all all the powers of hell uh, because they don't know uh, that God loves them. They don't know that that God's word, he has already promised breakthrough and healing and deliverance. He's already done it. That's what Jesus was doing at the cross. He was paying the price for us to be set free from the power uh, of Satan, from the power of death and sin. And so these people who were standing before the throne were clothed in robes of white. And it's interesting, isn't it, that... that um, that John was told that the reason they were clothed in white is that they had been saved out of great distress and out of great uh, pressure and affliction and that they had dipped their robes in the lamb's blood. Now, if you were to dip your robe in blood, you would think that it would be covered, you know, and turn black or, or, or dark red or brownie kind of color, the, the color of blood. But because of the blood of the lamb, you know, Jesus Christ, he is the lamb of God and he shed his blood. And we're going to look at that. He shed his blood so that we would be made clean and so that we would be made right with God and so that the enemy, the devil, would have no more power or authority in our lives to bring curse, to bring sickness, to bring persecution or, or, or torment, mental anguish or depression. And this is what Jesus was doing on the cross, friend. And so we read on here again. I'll go back over that scripture in verse 14. This is Revelation 4, um, 7 verse 14. He said, then he said to me, these are the ones who died uh, in, who 
came out of great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. And that is why they stand in front of God's throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter. They will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. For the Lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Friend, there are times when we have, you know, uh, when we're going through storms and all, all you can do is cry. Maybe you can't cry. And I'll tell you this much, you need to cry. If there's been things that have been bottled up in your life, if you have, you know, hurts and pain and scars from the past, listen, those emotions have not gone away and they need to be released out of your body. And so many people, you know, when they come for prayer, what we found is that when we pray with somebody, and lay hands on them like like the Lord spoke, you know, and though they will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's in Ma- in Mark's gospel, chapter um, 15, 16, verse 15. But we have found that when you pray with somebody, the first thing you notice, you know, is you, when you feel the power of God on that person is that you notice that the tears come and that there's a release of all that tension, of all that heartache, of all that terror or dread, or whatever the situation, and the tears flow. And let me tell you, a lot of people look at, you know, tears as being a sign of weakness. But I believe that tears are a sign of release. And, you know, God promises here that he will be your shelter, that he will be your good shepherd. And a good shepherd, you know, you can read about it in Psalm 23. You can read about it in Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34. The good shepherd goes after that sheep that's lost, that sheep that's been, you know, um, caught up in a trap, that sheep that has uh, got separated from the flock or got injured. And a good shepherd will go after their one sheep because that one sheep means so much to them. And he will bring that sheep back to the sheepfold and he will bandage up their wounds. He will heal them. He will nurse them in their in his care. He will bring his sheep, uh, the flock, to good water, fresh uh, water, waters of peace where, where they're not in danger from from other animals or from, you know, dangerous situations. He will bring them to good pasture where they'll be fed well. And that's what Psalm 23 is all about. You know, Psalm 23 is not a is not a psalm for funerals. Uh, I've often heard it said, you know, it's a kind of a funeral psalm. Listen, Psalm 23 is a, is a psalm of life. And it's a psalm of a good life because God said, you know, he will lay a table in front of you, even in the presence of your enemies, even though the storm may be raging, even though the circumstances may look so bleak. God wants to put food in front of you, friend, nourishment from his table, his word. That's why Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God's word to us is nourishment for our spirits and for our souls and for our physical bodies. And when our souls are healed, when our when we are transformed by his word, what happens is our physical body responds and healing comes there as well. Even in the midst of hopeless situations, even where maybe doctors have written somebody off as being, you know, a, a case that they have no help for and that there's nothing they can do. Listen, I'm going to tell you today a couple of, of testimonies and I'll start with one. Many years ago, um, there was a lady who was lying in a hospital bed, um, dying. 
And, you know, there was no hope for her. She was actually on morphine. That's how far gone she was. And, uh, you know, she she was had cancer that that was uh, spread right through her body and there was no hope for her. And she, you know, she was actually dying. And uh, but uh, one of her family heard that there was uh, somebody who <laughs> prayed with people for healing. And uh, that person uh, responded and, and came to Pastor Joe and Brida and asked for prayer um, for her family member. And uh, they prayed and they uh, spoke the word of God over that lady's life. And um, actually, they went to visit her in the hospital and, and, and prayed with her and laid hands on her. And there was no change in her when they were leaving. She was lying on that bed, you know, practically comatose and uh, with all hope given up. A, a, a young woman uh, with a young family. And... Uh, praise God, you know, the prayer of faith went forth and, and her family stood in agreement together for healing in that hopeless situation. And guess what, friend, that woman, uh, her complete condition, her, her condition completely turned around. And in actual fact, the next morning she got out of bed and she had a shower and she uh, asked for some tea and toast and she was sent home from that hospital a few days later after they had done every test they could do and they could find no trace of that cancer that she had been dying from, you know, three days earlier. And so, listen, this is the power of God and this is what Jesus paid the price for on the cross. And he wants you to know that he is your good shepherd and he is the one who wants to shelter you. He clothes us in righteousness. It's in Isaiah chapter one. You know, he said, though your sins are as red as scarlet, I will make you as white as snow. And there's this this complete renewal and restoration that comes from entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about religion, friend. I'm not talking about ritual and formulas and, and, and babbled off prayers because, listen, they're powerless. There's no power there. The power of God is in his word, the Bible. And this is why it has been kept from so many people. This is why people have been told, don't ever read the Bible. No one can understand it. Listen, Jesus spoke and he said, you know, you must be born again. You must be uh, reconnected to God through the power of his Holy Spirit who comes to live inside of you and who will reveal God's truth to you and who will uh, bring you and transform you from glory to glory. Hallelujah. So, there's this fresh start that's available to you uh, in Jesus Christ. And it's not just from the point of view of, you know, sin, our sins being taken away. That's not just why Jesus went to the cross. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could be redeemed from the power of sin. And so that we could be reconnected back to God as his son, as his daughter, as if we had never sinned. Jesus gave us his righteousness and he exchanged it at the cross. He took our sin. He gave us his right standing with God. And so in God's eyes, uh, when he looks at you, when you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he no longer sees you as you used to live. He no longer sees you, uh, you know, with sin in your life. He sees Jesus. He sees the price that he paid. And so that's what the blood did. It dealt with our sin. But when his body was whipped and beaten, that was for the healing of our physical bodies, for our minds, for our hearts, for our emotions. Um, so let's have a look at that in Jesus name. Let's go to um, Isaiah chapter 52 and chapter 53. I'm just going to skip through a couple of scriptures there um, in the book of Isaiah. 
Isaiah was a prophet who prophesied this about Jesus uh, almost 700 years before he came to the earth, before Jesus was born. Isaiah prophesied this and Jesus fulfilled every one of these prophecies. And um, in Isaiah chapter 52, uh, praise God, in verse 14, let's say 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished and appalled at you, so his visage was marred more than any man. So, you know, this was prophesying about the Messiah, that his visage, his his appearance would be so disfigured that he would hardly be recognizable as a human being. So it says his visage was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. So what it's saying there is, is that this Messiah is going to suffer um, physically and he is going to be so brutalized that you will not recognize him as being a human being. And in chapter 53, it says, Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So what he's saying here is that this Messiah will will kind of appear very ordinary, very normal, there'd be nothing, you know, and this is why the people missed it, because they were looking for this Messiah to come as this, you know, magnificent king, and he came as a humble little baby, and he grew up as a tender shoot, as we see here, and and that there's nothing spectacular about him. That's why the religious of the day missed it. Because, you know, they didn't understand that the one of the greatest um, characteristics of Jesus Christ is his humility. And he came as a humble child. And the reason he was born as a human being is so that he could grow up and face all of the things that you and I face and overcome them for us and, and pay the price for our sins so that we could be made right with God. That's the sacrifice he made. And it says in verse 3, this is Isaiah 53, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That, that word there, grief, translates as pains and sicknesses. Sorrows and grief is pains and sicknesses. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs. That word grief here again, it means sicknesses, calamities, diseases. It also means anxiety or, or, or things that terrorize us. So surely he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. That word sorrows there translates to mean pain, anguish, affliction, both mental and physical. So he has carried those things for us. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded. He was pierced for our transgressions. You see, when they nailed him to the cross, when they put those nails into his hands, that was for our sins. He was nailed to the cross and he became sin upon that cross. And that's why it says there that we, you know, we esteemed him stricken or smitten by God. Because when the people looked at him, they said he must be cursed. Because it's only cursed people who got, get hung on a tree. 
And that's back in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So that's what the people assumed at the time when they saw this man who had gone around healing and delivering everybody he met. He healed people from all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. He delivered people who were, you know, out of their minds. He delivered people who were in terrible situations. And yet when they saw him being nailed to the cross, it says, you know, they all turned their face away because they couldn't look at him because of the state of him up on that cross. He was so badly beaten and disfigured. And they said, he must be cursed. But he took that. He was pierced for our transgressions, our sins. That's why they nailed him to the cross. And then it says he was bruised or beaten for our iniquities. Those things that have afflicted us, that came down the generations. You know, when you go to a doctor and and they're testing you and, and maybe some kind of sickness and they'll say, is this in your family? And, you know, that's an iniquity. It's something that has come down the generations somewhere back along your bloodline. A door was opened to the to the devil where he got a foothold and brought some kind of a sickness or a disease upon that family. And the thing is, is to find out, you know, and, and this is what the word of God does, because you see, we don't read the word of God. The word of God, the Bible reads us. And as we study God's word, things are exposed and brought to the surface. And this is what I was talking about earlier on. You know, when you pray with somebody and sometimes the Lord would lead you to ask them a question or, or say something, you know, that you're saying, why, how am I asking this question? And suddenly it's like a dam bursts and the tears bur- come forth. And, and, you know, the pain or the anguish that that person has been going through in that situation is revealed and and God brings it to the surface to 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 uh, you know like burst the boil really to get the poison out because it is that is the reason sicknesses take root in people's bodies is uh, griefs and and trauma and pain and anguish and things that have you know uh, afflicted them either in their own lives or that have been handed down the generations that need to be dealt with Praise God. So Jesus was bruised. He was beaten up for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. So, uh, you know, they mashed that crown of thorns into his head. Uh, You know, they mocked him. They, They spat at him. They pulled out his beard. They rejected him. These were the people he had loved, the people he had walked with, the people he had healed, the people he had come to save. And they turned on him and they did this to him. And it says the chastisement for our peace was upon him. He endured that. He endured that rejection so that you would never have to endure rejection, friend. He endured that trauma, that that being despised, that being spoken of badly, being judged. He endured that so you wouldn't have to, friend, so that you could have peace in your mind. He went through utter and absolute indescribable turmoil and brutality so that you and I could have peace. And it says, by his stripes, we are healed by the the wounds that he took on his physical body before he was nailed to the cross by those wounds he took we are healed we are made whole 
God wants you made whole in every area. So Jesus was nailed to the cross so that you could be made whole spiritually and that you could be reconciled to God and brought back into right relationship with him as if you had never sinned because the blood of Jesus, which the cup is symbolic of, when we take that cup of juice or whatever, wine or water, um, you know, if you're taking a cup of wine, go easy on it. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. When we take that cup, that is representative of his blood that made us whole spiritually. And when we take the bread and we eat the bread, that bread is broken uh, to symbolize the way that Jesus's perfect body was broken and brutalized so that we could receive healing in our physical bodies, in our souls, our minds, our emotions, our hearts, our relationships and our finances. Because the Bible also tells us that he became poor so that we could be rich. Now, you know, this uh, upsets people <laughs> because, uh, you know, people like to have this little picture of Jesus, the poor little guy around in a pair of sandals. Listen, that's what they wore in a hot country. Oh, he only had a little donkey. Listen, that's the transport they had back then. Uh, you know, Jesus was was uh, very prosperous. He was not poor. In fact, after they crucified him, the, the soldiers cast lots for his for his tunic because it was a very, very expensive piece of clothing he had. It was woven from one piece of, of uh, material. So Jesus was not poor. So if you've been struggling financially, listen, uh, and, and you've always heard that it's better to be poor to honor God. God hates poverty. Poverty stinks. And poverty is the reason that so many people all over this world are living in, in indescribably horrible conditions and being abused and being, you know, uh, totally oppressed because of their poverty. God hates it and it is not of the Lord. Just in the same way as he hates sickness because Jesus paid the price for that upon the cross so that we could be set free. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? Amen. The ministry of Jesus, you know, before he went to the cross, showed God's desire that all people would be healed. Those that were blind, those who were deaf, the, the lame, the crippled, uh, those who were mentally tormented or depressed, those who were grieving and broken. You know, God, he reaches out. He, he says he has put all our tears in a bottle. Jesus's ministry, you know, was a ministry of healing and supernatural uh, deliverance. Those people whose bodies were diseased, the lepers, the ones who nobody else would touch, the ones who there was no hope for. Jesus healed them all. Those who had been abused or had been rejected, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, you know, the outcasts. Um, let's have a look, actually, at Mark, Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. And I know I've done many teachings on this on this chapter, but I just want to look today at this man who was demonically possessed. He was he was out of his mind. And, um, you know, Jesus had been ministering and he got in a boat and they crossed to the other side of the water. And as they did, a man possessed by an evil spirit. This is Mark chapter five, verse one, verse two. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit, a tormenting spirit, came out from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves. He lived among the tombs. 
and he could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. So, you know, I don't know if you've ever dealt with somebody who who is, uh, you know, really uh, tormented. Um, they have a strength that is is you know, almost supernatural. Um, but this is what was this man, you know, they tried to shackle him and they tried to chain him up, but he was able by that fierce strength, you know, that demonic strength, he was able to burst through that. And so everybody was terrified of him and he used to hang out around the tombs in the graveyard, all in his own. Um, no one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. So you see this, this picture here of this man who's so isolated and so broken uh, you know and he's he's cutting himself to try and release that pain that's inside of him he's howling you know can you imagine what it sounded like and and nobody could do anything for him he was a completely hopeless case they had no medications you know uh, back then but you know listen friend God's power supersedes any medication and he wants uh, people made completely whole. And God bless doctors and nurses and, and, and those people who, who operate in that ministry. We need them. Many people would be dead long ago without them. But, you know, God has a better way. Um, praise God. So when Jesus was some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him. Can you see that picture of this tormented man running to see you know, Jesus, because he sees something in him. He sees light in him. And and as he ran to him, Jesus, you know, said to the spirit, come out of that man, you evil spirit. He, he cast out that spirit. And interestingly enough, the spirit answered Jesus back. And he said, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of Jesus, in the name of God, I beg you, don't torment me or don't torture me. Because Jesus had said to him, come out. And you see, these demons are, are, are tormented themselves. They are, they are spirits without bodies and they uh, affect and afflict people uh, through various means. And, and one of them is, is mentally you know, where, where people are tormented in their minds, very often it's a spirit that needs to be cast out. And it's not something to be afraid of because the name of Jesus is above every name that is named. And, uh, you know, there is no power that the enemy has that is any match for God. And so Jesus commanded that spirit to leave. And he said to Jesus demanded, what is your name? And the spirit replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. So this man was afflicted by many demons. Then the evil spirits begged him again not to send them to some distant place. So they did not want to be sent out into the wilderness because you see, demons have to have a body to live in. So Jesus gave them permission. Uh, Sorry, there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on a hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let, Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission the evil spirits came out of the man. They had to leave because Jesus had commanded them. You see, and, and this is one of the marks of a believer, as I said earlier in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and it says, and these signs will follow those who believe in Jesus. 
in my name, they will cast out demons. And, you know, there are demons that are behind spirits of cancer, behind uh, spirits of depression and mental torment. These are spirits that are that are oppressing people and, and that have somehow gained a foothold or access into that person's life, whether through something in their own life, some trauma or, or sin or something, or something that's come down the generations. And these things need to be de- dealt with in the name of Jesus. So this is what he did here. He cast out the, the spirits. They entered into the pigs and look what happened to the, the entire herd of 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. It drove the pigs out of their minds. The, even the animals were, were totally driven out of their minds. That's the effect of demonic oppression, friend. It is perverse and it, it, it totally... Uh, uh, you know, transforms uh, whether it's a cell. You know, it can be it it can be cells in your body that have gone abnormal and that have become diseased. Those that needs to be dealt with in the spirit, and and you cannot medicate a spirit. That's why so many people, you know, uh, find it very difficult who have especially maybe been dealing with a sickness or a disease in the body, and where they've been told by the doctors, there's nothing more we can do. Or where somebody is, is mentally tormented in their mind or, or, or have a blanket of depression and a weight upon them and have been told, you know, look, all we can do is just, just try and medicate it. Uh, but the problem never goes away. They have to keep taking that medication. That's not the way the Lord wants you to live, friend. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town, this is verse 14, and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. And what was he like now? He was sitting there, fully clothed, and perfectly sane, because actually in, in one of the other Gospels, it says that he was forever uh, ripping his clothes off, that he was com- he used to walk around the graves and around the tombs completely naked, howling and cutting himself. So this man was, was totally, you know, out of his mind. He was not He was not in his right mind at all. And when the people came to see what had happened, they saw this man who they knew had been like this, and they saw him sitting fully clothed and completely sane. Hallelujah. He was made whole. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Isn't that interesting? And very often you find that, you find that people will say, we don't want that. We're happy with our way of doing and dealing with God. We don't want that. Because, you know, so often it's much easier for people to stay oppressed and to stay, uh, you know, um, uh, oppressed by the devil than it is to receive freedom. Anyway, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the Decapolis, that's 10 towns in that region, and he began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. What a a testimony of total restoration. Praise God. And that was what the ministry of Jesus uh, was, was upon this earth. 
And it's no different today, friend. Just because Jesus, you know, uh, went back to be with the Father, he said, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. And just as I am on this earth, so you will be. You know, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, there's still uh, miracles, healing, signs and wonders uh, that God is performing every day of the week. And, you know, so often people overlook them and forget to be thankful and forget to tell other people about what God has done. You know, that's one thing that Pastor Joe used to often say to me, you know, all the miracles, all the things that he had seen people receive down through the years at Word of Victory Christian Fellowship. And so many times, you know, you'd never see those people again and you'd never hear them telling anybody what God had done for them. What a sad way to be. But, you know, Jesus wants to give you a fresh start. And so his ministry was to those who who were abused or rejected, just like this man was, you know, in Mark chapter five, the misfits, the outcasts, the ones with a past who were judged and looked down upon, you know, the prostitutes, the, the sinners, the tax collectors. All of them were made whole in the presence of Jesus and they were totally their lives were totally transformed. And, you know, even those ones who had physically died. Uh, like Lazarus, like the widow's son in, in where's that, Luke chapter 7. Uh, they were raised back, resurrected back to life, but it was to a new life, a fresh start. They, they, you know, so all these people who came to Jesus, they got brand new cells. Their diseased, sick bodies were totally transformed and, and made whole. Just like that lady, you know, who was raised off that deathbed. Praise God. What a miracle. And they not only got, you know, brand new cells, brand new limbs, brand new organs, but they also got a brand new mindset and an outlook because they were touched by the great physician, the good shepherd who cares about us. And, you know, friend, the message of the gospel is good news. Jesus came. He came to bring us a message of hope. And you may be in a position that looks hopeless right now. But I tell you, friend, This is good news for you. Jesus wants you to be healed. He wants you to be restored, not back to a bad life, but back uh, totally restored and made new. It says in in, in the book of Corinthians that those who are are born again and who come to Jesus are uh, made into a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. God wants you to live a new life. He wants you to live a life full of hope. Let's have a look at the book of um, 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. I love this scripture. In 1 Peter 1, 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And you see, friend, so many people tomorrow will be, uh, you know, ministering to the Lord through prayer with, you know, on Good Friday or the day, this is the day Jesus died, you know, and and it's like such a dark, black kind of an outlook. But listen, Jesus is not dead. He's alive. He was raised from the dead. And he is alive. He's not dead. And so this is a time of great celebration, not a time of mournful, somber. Uh, yes, certainly when we look at, at what he's done for us, you know. <laughs> but I, I think when I look at what Jesus has done for me, I cannot be somber, somber. 
because I have to rejoice because there's no way I could ever pay the price for my sins. But he paid the price for me so that I could be made whole and made right with God and given a fresh start and a new life and given a living hope. Praise God. This is what the devil tries to do. You know, he comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. John chapter 10 verse 10 tells us. And how he does that is he robs people of hope. And maybe, you know, friends, maybe doctors have given up on you or or some person that you know. But I'm telling you this much. Jesus Christ has not given up. And, And there is nothing impossible to the Lord. Nothing impossible. He was raised from the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He raised the widow's son from the dead in, in Luke chapter 7. And, and that's what we're reading here, that God has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time and you know god god's word it keeps us you see that there you are kept by the power of god through faith so when you trust in jesus and when you have faith in in jesus christ for your salvation and faith uh, for your healing what happens is is god keeps you he physically holds you and you know we read that earlier in the book of revelation he said i will be a shelter for them Praise God. One of my favorite scriptures, I know I say this all the time, one of my favorite scriptures, but um, this would have been one of my life scriptures. In Psalm 91 verse 15, it says, Call upon me and I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you. And with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. God wants you to live a long life, friend. He wants you to live strong and healthy and peaceful and blessed and prosperous upon this earth so that you can be a blessing everywhere you go. That's the reality. And he paid the price and made the way uh, for that to happen through giving his son the incorruptible seed of the blood of Jesus Christ paid the price for us to be made right and for us to be made whole and that's why we celebrate tomorrow that's why we celebrate Saturday that's why we celebrate Sunday that's why we celebrate every day because Jesus Christ is alive and he was raised from the dead so we could be made right with God and so we could be healed praise God Um, As I said, you know, it's a living hope we've been given. And no matter, even if the situation that you're in is hopeless, God has, we have a living hope in God. Jesus is not on the cross. He's not in the grave. He is alive. And his word to us is a promise of healing for your spirit, your soul and your body, your entire life. So if you are sick, If you're fighting a battle with a disease, maybe the doctors have said there's no hope. God's word says differently. His word says, by his stripes, you have been healed. I'll give you another testimony. Many years ago, a lady came uh, for prayer and, uh, you know, she said uh, the minute she came in the door, she was speaking to Pastor Joe at the time. And um, he said uh, that her first word out of her mouth was, I hate religion. (laughs) And he said, 
brilliant. I hate it too. We're going to get on very well. Because you see, the religious spirit is a, is a spirit that has a mindset uh, of, of, of ritual and formula and of having to be good enough to be accepted by God. And that is totally alien to what God's word says. And so he, he brought her to the scripture. And while we're in First Peter, let's turn over and have a look at it. It's still in First Peter and it's chapter 2 and it's verse... Um, it's talking about Jesus here again. And... Uh, Verse 22, he, he committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. You see, the thing is, is Jesus's blood was able to pay the ransom for us to, to buy back, to buy our pardon from sin because he never sinned. He was totally sinless. He never sinned because his blood, as I said in the last podcast, came from the father. That's why he had no earthly father. So he committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return when he suffered. He did not threaten, but committed himself to God, who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. This is Jesus. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. And righteousness means right standing with God, holiness, being made right with God. Because you see, God is holy and those who come to him must be holy. So we could never make ourselves holy. There's no way, I don't know about you, but I could never make myself holy. I could never make myself right with God. And that's why Jesus died for me. He died for you as well. He exchanged his holiness, his righteousness, his perfect sinless blood. He exchanged it for our sins. And this is what that means there. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Praise God. That's a beautiful picture. But anyway, Pastor Joe showed this lady. She um, had a tumor the size of, I think, a melon in her, um, somewhere in her abdominal cavity. I'm, I'm not sure what organ. And um, there was a very bad diagnosis for her they, there was nothing they said they would do an operation take out the tumor and that hopefully give her a few months of life uh but you know that was all they could do for her she herself actually had worked as a cancer nurse in an oncology department up the country and she knew what the outlook was and she knew what her end would be as well and she was utterly terrified which is why she came for prayer because she hated religion <laughs> so she would never normally have gone anywhere near a bible church and so that's why the first word out of her mouth was i hate religion and so pastor joe gave her basic message of the gospel and then showed her a few scriptures and got her to read them out and this was one of the scriptures he got her to read in fact it was the last one because what happened was she read this and she read it again and then she read it again and she kept saying that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. By whose stripes you were healed. And she repeated it like that a few times over and over again. And Joe said, you see? And she said, shut up. By whose stripes you were healed. By whose stripes you were healed. And with that she slammed shut the Bible and she said, I believe I'm already healed. <laughs> and yes, 
In fact, she was. Uh, she went, that was, I think, a Monday. She was having her operation on the Wednesday. Uh, they went, they had the operation, the surgeon opened her up, and they could find no trace whatsoever of that tumor in her body. And all trace of that cancer was gone. And um, they actually did another procedure while they had her open. The doctor told her afterwards, and she was absolutely livid that they had done that without asking her permission. <laughs> but uh, praise God, you know, um, she she was totally healed because the word of God penetrated her heart. She understood what Jesus was doing. Uh, it was finally explained to her because, you see, that religious spirit has, you know, very little revelation of, of the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's only as you study the Word of God, the Bible, and as you uh, take it in and, and, and understand it and speak it out over your life and, and allow the Lord, through the power of his Holy Spirit, to transform you. She was totally transformed. And that cancer had to leave. You know, it had to go. The spirit of cancer was cast out of her. The spirit of death was bound over her. And the spirit of life was released into her through that prayer of agreement. And that woman was totally healed and is alive and well today. Praise God. And that was many years ago. You're no different, friend. God is no respecter of persons. Uh, you know, and, and he has no favorites. And there is hope. And God's will. Listen, this is another thing. People are very mixed up. They want to pray. Well, you know, it may be the will of God. But then again, it may not be his will. You know, because some people die. Uh, <laughs> Listen, that's a double-minded man and, and, and the person who speaks like that or who, who's been taught that way is never going to receive anything from God. You have to make up your mind and understand that God's will is to heal you. That's why it says in, in the book of um, uh, John, you know, First John, I think it is, that the Son of God was manifested to uh, destroy the works of darkness, to destroy the works of Satan and sickness and disease and poverty and breakdown of relationships and, and addictions and, and terror and dread and anxiety and depression. All those things are works of darkness. They do not come from God. They come from Satan. And he is out to bring destruction whatever way he can. But praise God, greater, greater, the greater one is living in, in you, when you know Jesus Christ, when you understand that you have been saved by grace and not by works, not by good things that you've done, but because he shed his blood on the cross and that by his stripes, you have been healed. He wants you healed and made whole. God's will is to heal you. So you need to understand he is the miracle working, supernatural God. But you need to get with his truth. You need to stop praying powerless prayers and start learning his word and speaking it and proclaiming it and believing it. This is the thing, you know, what are you believing? There's nothing impossible to God in Jesus name. I'll give you one more testimony of a lady and I know I've said this before in the podcast there was a lady who was given three weeks to live and the three weeks were up and she was absolutely driven off her head with terror and dread and her family were totally you know given a diagnosis like that in such a short timeline they were you know they didn't know their heads from their backsides and 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 
She was around their house day and night screaming, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. She was utterly terrified. And somebody um, came to Pastor Joe and asked him, would he call to this lady and pray for her? And it was Christmas Eve. And he called to her house, found her husband looking absolutely disheveled and, and tormented and worn out, heard the woman screaming in the house and said, I've come because I was asked to come and pray for her. And he said, please come in. And he said, would you mind if I left you here with her because I need to go to the shop? It was Christmas Eve. And the man said, we have nothing in the house for Christmas. I need to go to the shop to buy some food. And he said, do you mind if I leave you here alone with her? And Pastor Joe said, no problem. He went in, uh, he spoke with her. She wouldn't listen to him. She was shouting, shouting, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And he had to get very cross with her. And he said he caught her by the two arms and said, um, he said her name. Let's call her Mary. Mary, listen to me. And she stopped and she looked at him stunned. And he said, I've come to pray with you. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to show us how to pray here. And he said, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here today. And we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. And we ask you, Lord, to show us. And he prayed along that line. You know, he got her to, to pray and to, to um, accept Jesus as her Lord and Savior. He got her to, to pray out the prayer of forgiveness for anyone who had hurt her. And as he prayed for the Holy Spirit to show him what is at the root of this, he suddenly saw a picture, a vision. An open vision. He saw a little girl standing in the corner of a classroom with a big dunce's hat on her head. You know, a, a hat where, where somebody get a question wrong and the teacher, this is a long time ago, the teacher would put um, this hat on the child's head that said to everybody um, in the room and, and wherever they would see her that that child was stupid. It was called a dunce's hat. And he saw a finger pointing, saying, you will never be anything. You will never be anything. You are no good. And he saw a word over her head that said inferiority. And he said, Mary, tell me this. Have you suffered with inferiority? And I saw a picture of a little child and he explained the picture. He saw a little girl wearing a blue dress with blonde hair and kind of plaits, piggy tails and she said, that was me. I remember that day. And she actually had gone on to become a teacher herself. And she had totally calmed at this stage. So he prayed. He broke the power of those words that were pray that were spoken over that little child's life that brought curse upon her, that brought fear and terror, so much inferiority upon her that she, she suffered with it her whole life. And what had happened was those feelings, those emotions, they didn't go away. In fact, they morphed and, and manifested in her body in this sickness. And he cursed the root of that cancer, bound the spirit of death over her, cast out the spirit of cancer and released the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit into her body for complete restoration. By his stripes, you are healed. That woman phoned Pastor Joe 12 months later and said, Joe, I should have phoned you so much before now. I have just come home the other day from St. Luke's Hospital in Dublin and I received the all clear from cancer. There is no trace of it in my body. This woman had been given three weeks to live. Friend, I'm telling you, there is nothing 
impossible to God. And today I pray in Jesus' name, I pray that, Father, these ones listening to the sound of my voice, that you would touch them and that you would bring resurrection life, healing uh, power, your, your, the power of the cross into their physical bodies, into their minds. I cast out every spirit of cancer. I break the power of every negative diagnosis. I break the power of every words of death and destruction that have been spoken over you. Uh, financial failure, uh, failure in your relationship in your marriage, uh, maybe maybe mental torment that has been going on. I break the power of the spirit of fear and dread. I cast it out of your life and I loose the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit himself to fill you today, to baptize you with his power, to fill you with his glory and deliver you from every destruction in Jesus name. Amen. Come back and join us on Resurrection Sunday, friend. God bless you. Mm-hmm.